Sometimes a wall is not just a wall. Sometimes a wall with a painted mural tells a story. Public murals can transmit stories about official history or alternative histories, about identity or alternative identities, about mainstream culture or subjugated culture. Murals on public walls can be powerful, but they can also make those with power feel threatened. When people see a mural with a message that they don't understand or don't like, they will sometimes try to deface it or paint over it. Some people want a wall to be silent, to just be a wall. You know, but I think it's fitting though. I mean, we talked a little bit earlier about history and the murals in this country. Like the treatment to this mural is the same way we treat our history. We whitewash it, right, and try to cover it up. And over with time, we're peeling back those layers and we're finding out what generations before us tried to cover up. That's Luis Lopez. If you've already been listening, you'll know that he speaks for the Chicano viewpoint for the purposes of this podcast. We're going to dig deeper into this discussion of why murals can be controversial. But before we get there, let's remind ourselves of where we've been. This podcast is Nuevas Voces, episode 15, by the way. It's a podcast by artists in Mexico and Utah. In the past several episodes, we've been discussing the Mexican muralist movement. By now, we've discussed how the muralist movement was a response to the Mexican Revolution. Artists like Diego Rivera, Jose Clemente Orozco, and others were hired by the Mexican government to paint compelling murals on public walls to teach people the values of the revolution. They were charged with nothing less than forging a new national identity for Mexican people. In this episode, we're talking about David Alfaro Siqueiros. He was, along with Rivera and Orozco, considered one of the Tres Grandes, or the Big Three Mexican muralists. We'll touch on a few of his notable works, but mostly we're going to talk about a mural that he painted in Los Angeles that continues to have a profound influence on the Chicano muralist movement in L.A. It was a mural that was completely whitewashed shortly after he unveiled it in the 1930s. But many decades later, the whitewash was peeled back and his mural was revealed again just a few years ago. So who was David Siqueiros? Well, compared to his muralist comrades, he was very political. He was he was in jail a lot. Here's Susan Vogel. Of all of them, well, Orozco was not political. Rivera just kind of blew with the wind. But I would say Siqueiros is probably the most consistently political, devoted to communism, Stalinista of the group. Even, I mean, through his life, he's protesting, he's getting put in jail. He was um, involved in the first assassination attempt on Trotsky, Leon Trotsky in 1937, on behalf of Stalin. But he was also known for his artistic innovation. He was in, worked in Los Angeles and in New York. Uh, Jackson Pollock studied under him. He is the first one to use the airbrush and use car paint. And if you look at his paintings, they're, you can't help but marvel over their texture. There's, there's layers and layers of paint. Siqueiros wasn't afraid to challenge people or old ideas. Many of his values and relationships were formed while he was in prison. Here's Fanny Blower. You know, at this political time, many of those who were 
in jail were because they were fighting in the revolution or they were they were the telegraphist apparently there was a big movement in mexico for the the telegraphist movement the railroad movement the teacher movement the, and the educators he spent time so much time with these people in jail learning their stories mm. and that was his inspiration Uh, he was always committed uh, to the principles of the Mexican Revolution. This is something that you can see in his painting. In 1957, Siqueiros would paint his own interpretation of the revolution for Mexico City's National Museum of History in Chapultepec Castle. Its title, in English, is From the Dictatorship of Porfirio Diaz to the Revolution. What is famous about this uh, mural is, as you see it, you have to walk because it's famous for being a mural in movement. Siqueiros' mural twists and turns with animated action, and many of the key figures from the revolution, like Porfirio Diaz, Emiliano Zapata, Francisco Madero, and Alvaro Abregón, can be seen. As a veteran of the revolution, Siqueiros wasn't necessarily trying to glorify the conflict. He was a fighter at the revolution, too. He was part of the army defending Venustiano Carranza, there is always this feeling of leaving you not too happy about it. Mm. Although he's, he was very idealist uh, to defend, the, to glorify the Mexican Revolution because he believed highly on that. But he, he was able to demonstrate the, the, the pain and the social justice that people wanted to, to have. In one scene, Siqueiros paints Porfirio Diaz, the dictator who ignited the revolution by refusing to give up office, is surrounded by his scientificos, technocratic bureaucrats and dancing female entertainers twirling around him. If you look closely, Porfirio is stepping on Mexico's constitution of 1857. Siqueiros then moves our eyes to the Cananea strike, where government troops tried to suppress rioting workers protesting unfair conditions, and two men wrestle over control of the Mexican flag. Uh, something that I read about this mural is that when you see it, there is no straight lines. Yeah. It's, everything is in angle. Mm-hmm. That's why you have to, to, to see it. To lean. Uh, to, to lean or walk. Because you, as you walk, you, you move with the mural. There is, there is a lot of shapes in this. It's an active mural. It's considered to His be His work is mural. probably the most... Um, it's so powerful. <laughs> yeah, it's... Sometimes he does the ceilings and the walls and everything is covered and it would probably just give you vertigo because there's so much movement exactly. and it's mm-hmm. always humanity the one of his works is called the march of humanity i think and so it seems to me that more than the other muralists that we've been talking about his just show his shows just huge movements of people Sigueros's characters in this mural are almost three-dimensional You're definitely a part of it. You're not a spectator watching from afar. In another scene, Siguero shows us a row of dead bodies, but to the right of them, a revolutionary riding a white horse abruptly reins in the horse from a gallop. This is painted like on a corner, right? Mm-hmm. So it definitely gives me this, this impression that that horse is whipping around something and coming right at you. So Siguero was famous for painting on corners and really bringing back, bringing the three-dimensional. He was actually the first one who introduced the three-dimensional uh, aspect of uh, muralism. Fanny says Sigueros aimed to show Mexico as a country of contrasts, as a culture of haves and have-nots, a country in perpetual revolution. He does a fantastic job in showing 
this dramatic aspect of what it is to fight for what you believe. Let's go back to this fascinating moment in 1932. When Siguiros was 36, he left Mexico to escape government scrutiny of his communist activities and went to Los Angeles. While there, he was commissioned to paint a blank wall on a rooftop plaza on Alvera Street near downtown L.A. According to Fanny, Siguiros was invited to paint a romantic vision of what Mexico was. <laughs> and I guess when the government saw what he had painted, what they were extremely in shock. They asked him, well, you can paint a Mexican woman next to the flowers on a, on a balcony, and there is a ranchero Mexican coming and singing music, something that shows the romanticism side of Mexico. But instead... <laughs> instead, with America Tropical, Sigueros had another idea. Here's Luis. Being the political force that he was, he definitely was trying to stir discussion. More than anything, I think it was an honest reflection of how many Latin Americans felt, right? I mean, you have this pyramid. At the bottom, there's rubble. You have these trees on the side with these branches that are going all over the place. And right in the very front of that pyramid, there's a crucifix with an indigenous person, and on top is an eagle. Specifically, a bald eagle, the symbol of the United States. The Mayan pyramid in the background is overrun by vegetation, and an armed Peruvian peasant and a Mexican campesino crouch on a wall in the upper right corner, readying to defend themselves. Siqueiros painted the concrete wall mostly at night using an airbrush, with the design outlined for him with a projector. The L.A. neighborhood around him was largely Hispanic. Yeah, I mean, I think it's important to consider the history of La Plaza Tolvera. Um, it's a historical part of L.A., it was meant to kind of recreate what a Mexican market kind of would be. And, and, and it still is in that way, right? Uh, you can still go get kind of traditional things, but also artisan goods and, and stuff like that. Um, and so they wanted him to contribute to that feeling. And in true, you know, art activist form, um, he took that money, he took that job and painted what he wanted to anyway. Um, and in this piece, really criticizing or, I mean, criticizing the U.S. in the sense of there is what looks like an American kind of bald eagle in the center on top of a uh, crucifix that has an uh, indigenous person tied up. Um, but I think maybe his thinking was, well, if this is going to be something that is in a Mexican part of town, I'm going to I'm going to paint about our pain, right? This is something that we're going through. And so uh, he did that, and of course, that was not received well. After Siguiros unveiled America Tropical on October 9, 1932, his critique of United States imperialism in Latin America received generally favorable criticism, but others viewed it as communist propaganda. Subsequently, after a seven-month residency in the U.S., Siguiros' visa wasn't renewed. And as for his mural... Covered in white paint. The mural was partially covered by 1934 and totally whitewashed in 1938. The interesting part is that this is on a rooftop, so it's outside. So, ironically, that white paint helped protect the mural, and it has since been uh, restored. After over 50 years of being whitewashed, the Getty Conservation Institute began a collaborative process to restore America Tropical. With no color photographs of the fresco, conservators used scientific analysis and best practices to recapture Sigueros' vision of his piece. There was a group of curators coming from Mexico and from all over to work little by little 
each part of the mural. Apparently, it's a big mural. They uh, ask grants from everywhere to to find this uh, huge cover to protect the mural, and now it's uh, open to the public. I mean, I just think imagine like the impact that this mural has on Mexicanos from LA, like given the history of that city. Uh, prior to it being the U.S., the the Mexican presence. I mean, I think it just it just speaks to our souls, and and it means a lot. Uh, even though I'm from Santana, a little bit south of L.A., I see myself in this. I see the shared history, and it just means a lot to me. I'm, you know, I think for most Mexicans, we're just grateful it's back. Let's stop for a moment and go back to something Luis said before. The treatment to this mural is the same way we treat our history. We whitewash it, right, and try to cover it up. And over with time, we're peeling back those layers and we're finding out what generations before us tried to cover up. Ironically, there are many stories of murals that were destroyed or nearly destroyed. The story of Chicano Park near San Diego is another example. In the early 1970s, a predominantly Mexican-American neighborhood rallied to protect a swath of land under some freeway bridges known as Barrio Logan outside of San Diego. Gradually, the bridge pylons towering over the park became canvases for Chicano street muralists who were celebrating their Mexican-American culture. By 1980, the park was known as Chicano Park and was declared a historical site, hosting the largest collection of outdoor murals in the country. But the murals have occasionally been threatened by development, vandalism, and most recently, far-right political groups. Still, Chicano Park remains a place for free expression and provocative muralism. Recently, in 2017, a mural was painted criticizing President Trump's proposed border wall. This is a clip from a video produced by the San Diego Union-Tribune. This person speaking is a local California artist, Salvador Sal Barajas. We hope that, that not only Hispanics take a look at it, but people that come from all over the world. And nowadays, we're getting here people from China, from Japan, from Australia, from Europe, and they are asking what is going on here? What is going on in this country? How do you feel about this president? They're asking us that, and they relate to the mural really, really well. I have spoken to many of them, and uh, they are very sympathetic with our cause. Utah is not immune to similar political battles over public murals. There was a mural that was down in Salt Lake painted of Joe Hill by some members of a union, and then the next day it was painted over with a U.S. flag. That was in the last few years. Joe Hill, in case you don't know, was a famous labor activist and songwriter who many see as a martyr. On our website, we have links to articles about this 2015 vandalism incident. I should mention a new mural was painted on the side of Salt Lake City's Ken Sanders bookstore sometime after. And then there was the mural down at West Jordan of Cesar Chavez and Dolores Huerta. Oh, that's right. That the city council said, okay, it went up one day, you have to take it down the next day. It's a sign and it's not permitted. This incident also happened in 2015. You can see photos of this local Utah mural on our website. Yeah. It was one of those Facebook flash po- protests where it's like, oh my gosh, um, this went up. It was done by a group of an artist here with students of his. And uh, as soon as it went up, the, I believe the city council, it could, I don't know if it's South or West Jordan, said that's a sign. It's a, you know, 
advertising sign. You didn't get a permit. A sign can't be more than this size. You have to take it down. So there was a big protest. This was maybe two years ago. And a lot of the folks from the artistic communities, political communities, Chicano community, Latino communities overall, mm. went out there. And I believe it's still there. I'm not sure what the, the status is of it. But this is con- constant, you know? Some it's still people now. paint on walls that people can see, and it angers people, and they destroy it. I mean, that's a lot of effort to get rid of a mural. It's a beautiful mural. And the one, <laughs> it's it's on the side of a restaurant, according to this, uh-huh. and it's like the one uh-huh. mural that, that they have in West Jordan, and that's too many. If you go out there and stand on that corner, every other visual you see is a corporate logo. You're, you see the Sinclair sign, you see the Pizza Hut sign, you see the, it's all big chain corporate logos. There's no art. That's the only thing that you see that is a creative, local, original work of art. And And that's the one that's offensive. And it's on a Mexican restaurant. It's on a Mexican restaurant. That's the ridiculous part. And it's a picture. It's a beautiful picture of of Cesar Chavez and Dolores Huerta. Just a beautiful mural. Wow. There's nothing radical about it. Yeah, I think it's just a misconception. I mean, the idea that, and it does have the the flag from the uh, Chicano rights movement, I think people associate that automatically with with communism and mm-hmm. and I'm sure that it, you know politically and historically does have some affiliations, but they they don't I don't know they see black and white they don't see the gray area and so they're mm-hmm. just real quick to write it off as oh that's extremist that's this and that that's radical makes people uncomfortable it makes them uncomfortable yeah exactly. If there's just one thing that I hope you take away from this conversation, it's that when walls become more than walls, when walls become public murals, and especially when they become political murals, they can make people feel uncomfortable. But still today, murals should be seen as a unique form of expression and art. David Segueros and other Mexican muralists that we talked about, like Diego Rivera and Jose Clemente Orozco, have had significant impact on how artists have since painted murals and how Mexican-American communities continue to celebrate their culture, celebrate their heroes, or agitate for change. You can see images of David Sigueros' murals that we discussed in this episode, including from the dictatorship of Porfirio Diaz to the revolution and America Tropical on the website and home for this podcast, artistsmexut.org. As always, please share your thoughts with us. Do you have any stories to share about any controversial public murals that you know about that are threatened or were destroyed? Can you tell us about a mural that you appreciate or one that may rankle other people because of the ideas it portrays? You can share your impressions with us in the comments section on our website. Thanks to Luis Lopez, Fanny Blauer, and Susan Vogel for their insight and commentary throughout this podcast project. The music you heard in this episode comes from Calexico, Al Cayola, Gustavo Santalalaya, Agustin Lara, Elliot Goldenthal, the Latin Playboys, Paco de Lucia, and Charanga Cakewalk. This podcast is made possible by a grant from Utah Humanities. Thanks to KCPW for the studio space. I'm Ross Chambliss. This is Nuevas Voces.
abuelos, el cucuy.